0: good morning everyone or good afternoon or good evening whichever the uh, case may be wherever you are on this rotating globe welcome to another edition live tonight thank goodness because the internet is working from the land of enchantment New Mexico where for the last oh what is it uh, 10 15 days the temperatures have been above a hundred degrees which is like 20 degrees uh, warmer than it should normally be for this time of year. And the infrastructure out here, sorry to say, was not built for what's coming and is only going to get worse, which is uh, why they're going to about to spend a lot of money doing things with infrastructure all over the country and including here in New Mexico. So hopefully our shows will become more regular because of a much more reliable uh, internet and other surrounding Infrastructure. We have some really exciting news to talk about tonight. Next Wednesday, the um, House Oversight and Appropriations Committee, which, of course, because of the way the election turned out in the House, is chaired by a Democrat, Representative uh, Comer, is going to hold what could be the most interesting public UFO hearings in the last what 50 years something like that since uh, Gerald Ford's hearings uh, in the house back in 19 I believe it was 66 that uh, Gerald Ford ultimately to become the um, uh, to become president of the United States uh, appointed by Richard Nixon um, was chairman was chairman of a key committee in the house at that time he was a congressman from Michigan and he held very interesting um, watershed hearings which basically dismissed the whole idea of UFOs or ET spacecraft or yeah, extraterrestrials or things that go bump in the night that are not uh, normal but are anomalous for decades and next Wednesday afternoon or is it morning I forget um, the House Committee this House Committee key committee Um, chaired by a Republican, because this is a remarkably um, bicameral and bilateral um, subject, which it should be because, you know, it's affecting Republicans and Democrats and independents equally, if you are people, and they are. It's going to hold its next hearings with three witnesses, one of whom is on record, uh, apparently with classified evidence which I will uh, talk to C uh, Bassett a bit more in a few minutes uh, to verify that, that statement which I saw somewhere in print. Which of course is now why we're having public hearings in the House because this military veteran, uh, ex-military, he's now retired, who was part of the Afghanistan war has testified both on, on, in public and media um, and apparently, privately to uh, committees in the Senate, that um, he is witness to the fact that for decades the U.S. government has had in its possession not only crashed, quote, uh, spaceships, UFOs, but also derivative technology which runs the gamut from anti gravity to. Uh, Uh, you know, infinite energy production without 3D consequences, i.e. pollution, extraordinary advances in biomedical technology, uh, life extension, disease... In other words, there isn't a field of science that the in-crowd apparently has not had access to, has been researching, and is about to openly, publicly attest to in terms of the witnesses that are part of this hearing uh, next Wednesday. And that's why tonight I invited two very interesting people, an observationalist and a political uh, theorist, namely uh, Wilbur Allen and Stephen Bassett, to address respectively tonight. Where are we? And uh, while we're waiting for Stephen to join us, apparently There's some kind of communications problem with uh, Washington, of course, of course, all right. Um, Let me introduce uh, Wilbur Allen. UFO researcher and contactee, Dr. Wilbur Allen, who has forensically documented sightings and anomalies at uh, ufodc.com, is going to discuss NASA's confirmation of the existence of hidden portals in the Earth's magnetic field, among many other things we're gonna talk about tonight. He will relate these portals to what are colloquially known as wormholes, and he believes, based on observation, that this means that extraterrestrial craft can travel into our world and between dimensions almost at will. These aforementioned wormholes are associated in uh, uh, Allen's model with the Earth's North and South Poles. And he infers that it is very likely that um, Admiral Byrd, during his polar expeditions, particularly to the South Pole, um, was seeing ET craft traveling in and out of the South Polar wormhole during his uh, expeditions, more than one, Uh, Most interesting, of course, was uh, the so-called project High Jump, which may contain an Emily Dickinson pun, because if you go through a wormhole, what do you do? You jump from one point in space, 3D space, to another. So was High Jump a cute Dickinsonian code for what uh, Bird knew he would find when he got there? Anyway, um, you can read more about the wormholes on the website. Uh, the most interesting thing to me, because it's not theoretical, it's practical, and visual, is that uh, Wilbur has documented frequent UFO activity over Washington DC on film, on video, on slow motion video, on parallactic video, I mean, real data, real evidence. And that there is likely a base for these crafts somewhere near washington if not even closer to the white house itself which of course is a very very controversial assertion so without further ado let me bring on doctor i've never called him doctor before dr wilbur allen you're gonna have to be quiet welcome back to the other side of midnight thank you for having me richard well i'm so glad to have you back because uh, i've heard all kinds of uh, bizarre rumors on mark twain and i wanted to get you on Uh, in this extraordinary hinge point in history because frankly i believe that after next week this entire conversation at a public level is going to be you know at a whole different public consciousness level than it is tonight so why don't you why don't you start by giving us your thoughts on a much overworked word disclosure because we're in the middle of it right now.
1: I did a five year research study in various locations of the United States and I set up some rather interesting technology. Um, I created spatial scan technology which enabled me to scan space in high definition 4K and created a uh, camera system and lens system from existing technology. The uh, research that I conducted throughout the United States Clearly indicated that the objects that we're talking about are inundating our airspace. The problem is the objects exist in invisibility, and we can't see them. But they're there, and my camera system documented them.
0: So you mean ordinary human vision? They're shielded. But if they're you have the right filters on, if you have the right filters on the camera, you can see them.
1: They they exist in infrared, 470 nanometers.
0: Ah. So they may be invisible to, to uh, optical wavelengths but they're glowing thermally in the infrared?
1: They, they, the, the data that I documented clearly indicates that these objects are indeed invisible however detectable in infrared for 70 nanometers
2: hmm.
0: which is just beyond the red end of the visible light spectrum so that it's not thermal it's, it's reflecting infrared
1: absolutely absolutely invisibility we can't see them our eyes are limited and our eyes are limited to uh, iso zero and iso 800 nocturnally while the objects i documented were documented at iso 208 800 600 which humans cannot see into
0: Hmm. so what do you think is going on politically given that you live near washington and you've been there you know, including working at the ABC and in and out access freely during the Reagan years to the White House itself. Are we really at what I think is this coming hinge point?
1: I am not really sure because I did reach out to Congressman Comer and I did not get a response from him. So it's interesting. Um, I'm presenting to them physical evidence which indicates clearly our airspace is not our airspace.
0: Well, could that just be that they're overwhelmed with lots of emails from people that are interested?
1: I physically call their offices and and introduced myself and my credentials and my research and I've got no response from Congress. Hmm. Okay,
0: so what is your inference from that? That they don't want outside input or that it's a carefully controlled message, citizen science need not apply?
1: Uh, carefully controlled citizen science not apply.
0: Hmm. Now, do you think that's a foregone conclusion or is there a way to get around this?
1: I am not sure. I'm reaching out to other congressmen and the Senate Intelligence Committee for an oversight on um, UFOs, which are supposedly uh, listed in the internet. And indeed, uh, I got no response from any of the political uh, Congress people associated with these research sites.
0: Hmm. Have you reached out to Rubio, Senator Rubio from Florida or Senator Gillibrand from uh, New York in the I Senate?
1: I did not. I did not. But I definitely will definitely uh, reach out to those congressmen.
0: Okay, I, I obviously at some point I'm going to bring Stephen in here, but I want to continue on your work which has been primarily in the observational field and developing technology as you just you know alluded to that can Absolutely. see these these objects these craft even if they're not visible to the unaided human eye. Um, Absolutely. Back in 1952 there was this classic July appearance of UFOs over the, over Washington for you know weeks days at a time weeks and they would play you know tag with the military aircraft sent up to try to rendezvous with them and they appeared on radar and disappeared on radar and all that and they eventually came up over the white house and they even got truman involved and it was that that summer that july where truman apparently issued his famous shoot down order and that raises all kinds of a can of worms uh, but no one has really paid attention at least publicly to the idea of UFOs over Washington now, except Dr. Wilbur Allen, who has data. Why don't you start at the beginning and talk about how you've been documenting these fellas coming and going with absolute you know, freedom and incredible rhythmic precision for decades. <laughs>
1: I, I set up my equipment magnetically. Uh, I aligned my telescopes precisely to magnetic north, so each telescope is aligned correctly when I use uh, when I went to various research sites to do uh, scanning of space. And what was interesting was uh, what I documented and and running this telescope, I would set my telescope up to document space specifically and in documenting space, I would document these objects appear into my video, not fly into the video. They would appear into the video, fly through and then disappear. So it indicated to me that these objects are using some kind of portal to enter our airspace. Wow. So they're
0: either coming through a hyperdimension from another point in 3D or they're coming and going between dimensions because um, that's their technology and they're not in this space at all.
1: That, that is indeed the case. They're, they're not cloaked. They're not cloaked. If they were cloaked, it would be different because I would see the object through the air distortion around it. But in yeah,
0: case, over, the yeah objects, can you move? Can you move the mic just a little bit away from your mouth because we're getting breathy
1: sounds. Okay, how about now? Better. Keep talking. Uh, the objects would appear physically into the airspace, and it was interesting. Was that the objects were the Tic Tacs encountered by the USS Nimitz? In 2004.
0: Now, like wait, 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 hang on, hang on. You mean in your cameras, in your telescope technology, you had enough resolution so these are not just bright dots or points
1: of light, they're literally no, structured are- craft you're seeing in detail. Tic Tacs, Tic Tacs, Tic Tacs, the same Tic Tacs encountered by the USS Nimitz. I passed the data through uh, Chief Kevin Day. He was the uh, radar chief on board the USS Nimitz during the time of the encounter when they encountered the Tic Tacs in 2004 and Chief Day was concurring with my evidence, and indicating to me that the objects were indeed the same objects that were encountered by the Nimitz.
0: Well, technically, do we know they're the same or they just look the same?
1: Um, well, what's interesting, it's, it's, I'm using the word tic-tac um, definitively because each of the objects that I documented was specifically different in shape and size but the one consistency associated to the objects that were documented was their shape, and their shape was uniform and consistent with what uh, the Nimitz encountered as Tic Tacs.
3: Hmm.
0: Well, that's an interesting circumstantial evidence that maybe the same folks doing both.
1: Um, it, it is indeed, but what's interesting is each of the objects that I documented was different. And In fact, I got uh, three thousand samples. Of the three thousand samples, ten I can match, but the rest I cannot.
0: Okay, I'm looking at your items tonight, and I don't see any images of uh, tic tac. You,
1: you have to, you have to go to you have to go to my uh, uh, YouTube channel, Dr. Wilbur Allen YouTube. Okay. All the, all the evidence is there.
0: Do we have a link uh, for that, Keith? Near his bio, let me go look. Um, I see ufodc.com. Is that the website? That's his website. That's the website. Okay, so so the
1: YouTube channel.
0: Oh, so do we have a separate YouTube channel
1: posted? I don't see. Um, I'm not sure, but you can you can Google Dr. Wilbur Allen YouTube, it'll take you to. Well, Keith can
0: also put it up so that it's one stop shopping, you know. We try to make it easy, exactly. So, exactly okay so so you have enough resolution um for those of us a clear lives? resolution to okay. see them okay how much of the frame does each object craft tic tac uh, occupy
1: i would say less than uh 10 percent but i used uh 3d max to take my 4k videos um into 3d max which is a uh, 4k uh, 64 bit uh, 3d software and I used virtual cameras to track the objects in my frames so I was able to do a clear analysis of each of the objects um, in 3d max
0: okay I'm getting a a note here from Robert who's going to join us in a little while that what I'm asking for is an item number two no it can't be Um, let me click on this. Okay, that's the that's the streak, which I presume is uh, the time it took for the object to move and the
1: shutter speed you're No, using? no, those those streaks, those streaks are, are objects that my camera documented. And you're looking at the object as a spacecraft, the spacecraft itself. It was initially um, documented by NASA Groman during Project Echo in 12 eight twelve, nineteen sixty.
0: So this is a real craft, frozen, uh, that looks like a long colored red
1: Red streak. There's also an article associated to it uh, in 1960 in which uh, people detected and saw red objects in our airspace.
0: And how big in the sky would this appear in terms of, let's say, a full moon? Um, Repeat that question. How big in the sky would this appear in optically like angular width as, like as like you, a, like as a full you moon? see it
1: in the frame as you see it in the frame that's how big it was
0: yeah but we can't tell intrinsic size in other words is it a tiny portion of the moon is it several oh, degrees no, no. across
1: it's, it 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 would be the same size as the moon half a degree yes
0: How did it just pop into space or did it drift in or
1: it Uh, it warped by it warped by and i recorded that event at 60 frames per second and you see clearly that is the frame extracted from the video that was captured during that time i got several red objects
0: so these objects which are linear red
1: yes appear
0: and disappear in our space obviously at will but they don't track across the sky
1: They warped by so fast that if you blinked, you would not see it. My, my.
0: Now, you say sites across the country. I know that you lived in D.C. for many, many, many years and documented a whole bunch of bizarre stuff, including around the Capitol and the White House. But where else do you have your ground stations? In other words, how much of the country have you been able to, uh, to 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 cover?
1: I went through uh, a few states. One of the states that was contri- really interesting was Florida. When I set oh. up my telescopes in Florida, I got uh, a plethora of data associated to first the Tic Tacs. And then a plethora of data associated to the red streaks, and that's what made it all interesting. If you go to my YouTube channel, Dr. Wilbur Allen YouTube, all of the data is there in high definition 4K. You can clearly see these objects.
0: You know, I'm wondering if the because if these are real physical vehicles, they're incredibly no narrow and very long.
1: Big. Yes, that was my. My, my conclusion indicates that these objects are approximately uh, 30 to 50 miles long.
0: Oh my God. Now, when you say you had multiple cameras, i.e. telescopes, did you set them up so you could do stereo? In other words, you have the same uh, yes. part of the sky yes. In, yes. in the same field yes. of view? There's, stere-
1: There's stereoscopic. So you can literally get a
0: distance parallactically and therefore give us an exact size, 50 miles?
1: Exactly. How high I, up? I had, over how high I had up? One, I had, had one camera and one telescope set for 250 miles and the other camera, which was uh, one, the camera on the telescope was full spectrum infrared and an identical camera. That was a conventional light camera, which was uh, the same as human vision and the human vision camera saw absolutely nothing while the infrared camera detected them clearly.
0: You know, I just had a weird thought. If we're dealing with a technology which can literally go between dimensions and time is flowing at a different rate in other dimensions than in our 3D, which I have separate data on, you might be looking at some kind of incredibly red shifted field effect and not the real vehicle at all, but a geometric topological twist of the field around the vehicle, which is red shifting light to an intense degree.
1: I have other samples and the other samples were not red. They were white streaks of light Oh! and they had the same energy in terms of when they flew by they would warp by and again understand I was filming at 60 frames per second so the camera was able to clearly uh, freeze them as they warped by. But I would say the, the altitude in which these objects were warping by was approximately 250 miles in our atmosphere.
0: Oh, my. So they're well up in low Earth orbit.
1: Yeah, well up in, in low Earth Yeah, because that's
0: about the altitude of the, of the uh, International Space Station, 260 miles. It's, it's, it's that.
1: And, and the space station did indeed detect them.
0: If
3: listeners it? click on
2: the picture or the URL, they will go to... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Keith just
1: was able YouTube to add channel.
2: the uh,
0: add the YouTube it's link. Al-
2: it was already there. Oh, okay. All they have to do is click on the picture or the URL, it'll take you to UFO DC, his YouTube channel.
1: Yes, and there's there's a sample. There's an illustration from the Holy Bible, and it shows some nomads in the desert, and their hands are up, and there's a... Tubular shape object with a force field around it, sitting there in space, and that is indeed the same object that was in the days of Jesus recorded in real time in 2020 as I was doing research um, in a abstract location in Virginia near Richmond.
0: We keep talking about these things like they're craft, like they're vehicles, like they're like we build. Is it possible we're looking at pure consciousness?
1: I'm 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 using a, a document that was recorded by NASA Groman during Project Echo, and NASA Groman during Project Echo de- detected and recorded the same objects in space, and they're exactly the same as what I'm documenting, except in black and white. But if they're but projections between doubt,
0: dimensions if we think of them as, you know, nuts and bolts vehicles, as opposed to some extraordinarily advanced projection, hyperdimensional technology, where visitors don't have to physically come through, they project something else that we would think of as a field in order to understand what we're about and who we are and, and why ever they're here, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, are we not limiting ourselves by thinking in terms of clunky craft, like the tic tacs which appear to be vehicles, but this appears to be something much more on the order of energy or information I, I, or quantum I, entanglement or something.
1: I indicated that the tic tacs are organisms of some sort. Oh, because so you they think are they, are they could be too? Uniquely different. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Why would that make them and, why would that make them organisms if they're different? Uh,
1: I had, uh, as I mentioned, a collection of 3,000 4K UK videos, um, sorry, not UK, but 4K videos. And in the Tic Tac documentation, each of them was uniquely different. There were some that had extreme power output, while the others did not have an energy output as, as immense as the objects that I'm mentioning one of the things that was interesting was the energy field around these objects was rotating in a clockwise manner so I determined that it was clearly visible in the 4k samples that I recorded
3: hmm.
0: when you say rotating clockwise that's like look if you're looking down on the north pole of the object it would rotate to the right as opposed to to the left
1: Indeed, indeed, and you could see that clearly in the videos. Um, as I mentioned, I recorded them at 60 frames per second, and it indeed you documented the field associated to each of these objects, which is uniquely different. As I as I said, I got 3,000 samples, and I can't match them. There, there's one specifically that I can match, and I do have 10. Uh, different versions of it recorded on 10 different occasions and on each occasion this specific object had an immense energy field which my cameras detected.
0: Wow okay we're coming down to the bottom of the hour Um, in this segment anything you want to bring up we have like a minute or so until we bring on Steve after the bottom of the hour.
1: Um, Actually, I would like to ask everyone to Google Dr. Wilbur Allen YouTube and look at the absolutely strange documentation that I posted on my YouTube channel.
0: Wow, fascinating. Okay, um, our first guest of the evening, Dr. Wilbur Allen, who, as I said, has been a resident of D.C. for many, many years. And then I think he moved to the suburbs and then he moved somewhere else. Then he's back in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., has been documenting long after 1952 the remarkable appearance and disappearance from some place else some warp field some hyperdimensional connection extraordinary objects doing extraordinary things and some of them may be conscious energy beings whatever you're on the other side of midnight My name is Richard C. Hoagland, we shall return.
3: episodes anytime on any device search the archives of over 180 episodes membership cost 9.95 a month 33 cents a day support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com.
0: Welcome back everyone on this Sunday night 19th July 23rd no what is today July 23rd, yeah, 23rd of 2023. My guest this morning my first guest was uh, Dr. Wilbur Allen who is of course still with us I'm gonna bring on now um, uh, uh, Stephen Bassett because Stephen has been at this uh, disclosure um, apex for literally decades, uh, probably almost as long as I've been looking at the idea of artifacts elsewhere in the solar system. So let me give you a little background on Stephen. He is the uh, political activist and disclosure advocate and executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, which was founded by Stephen back in 1996 to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomena. Stephen has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of disclosure, which is defined as the formal confirmation by heads of state of an extraterrestrial presence engaging, currently, the human race. Stephen has lectured around the world on the implications politically of UAP-ET phenomena and has given over 1,200 radio and television interviews. I I think that exceeds my number. I think that's... uh, bigger than what I've been doing. PRG's advocacy group has been extensively covered by all the national and international media, including CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, the Washington Post, and of course the old gray lady herself, the New York Times. And you can read the rest of uh, Stephen's background, including uh, data on the uh, 2013 citizen hearing on disclosure that he masterminded at the National Press Club. So without further ado, Stephen, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. Pretty interesting
2: times, eh? Yeah, well, we're in the last weeks of the truth embargo, 76 (laughs) years on. So yeah, it's very
0: interesting. Oh my God. So where do you want to begin? It's like drinking from a fire hose and
2: that old cliche. I'm monitoring the media which is just intense. Um, articles are pouring out. And I triage the best, the ones I think that have reasonably good venues and what have you, and I, I can barely get them loaded up fast enough. Uh, the stigma is virtually gone. There's just no stigma anymore. In fact, the UAP term, which was brought into play specifically to make it easier for journalists and politicians and others who are worried about that stigma to be able to refer to the issue and talk about it. Simple thing, nothing (laughs) talking
1: about that.
2: Saying the word UFO was like dropping a, you know, a turd in the punch bowl in most cases. So UAT made it uh, easier, and that was good. And there's other language that we've tried to introduce that would make it easier for mainstream people to address this issue so we could move towards disclosure. However, UFO is back. Uh, UFO is in all the articles it's in all the headlines and so it, it didn't take long for that term to be how would they re- rejuvenated meaning it's okay to say UFO now uh, the stigma is gone and that's just one of many reasons why I'm convinced the truth embargo is just about done
0: what are your expectations for next week for this house hearing if I'm not uh, in error this is the second house hearing the first was under the intelligence committee this is the first more general congressional oversight and appropriations and the witness one of the witnesses i know they've got is this new darling of the uh ufo set uh, an ex-military veteran from uh, afghanistan who said forthrightly in all kinds of venues as i said in my opening that the u.s government has had discs They've had technology, they've had access, they've figured things out, and none of it has leaked out officially into public domain, except there's gonna be a guy that you, Stephen Bassett, forecast would be the model, impeccable military veteran, discussing unbelievable things that he has personally been involved with.
2: Close. Uh, First of all, I would take issue with calling him the do- darling of the UFO set. I, I, I think... Uh, well, UFO currently, was,
0: you know, these things go in uh, phases.
2: I, 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 I just don't like to... I just don't like that phrase. Uh, he is a, uh, a, a major witness, but he also is a whistleblower. And we're referring to David Grush. And the reason he's a whistleblower is because he calls himself that. And when he came... When he came forward earlier, two years ago, he was trying to report what he was learning as a member of the UAP task force, which apparently he took his job seriously. He was being given information, people inside government reporting to him. Uh, He was on the UAP task force, so of course they were. And what he was hearing was quite startling. He was getting information from individuals who he knew to be associated with uh significant classified programs, possibly full use apps, or certainly a SAP, special access program. And they were informing him about the fact that the US government has, and we know, we've known this for years, the people that people would do the work out in the public, the public sector, have crashed vehicles, have a number of them, as well as bodies. And he took that information to uh, to uh, the, the Congress, I think, or to, to some of the committees uh, or exactly which one the, the details are not clear but he, he went well my information
0: says it was the senate committees,
2: not the house again it could have been the senate committee okay so he reports it uh, so he's doing his job ah but then apparently he kind of stepped over the line in other words what's going on now has certain protocols and he kind of got out in front of a ski. so he started getting grief now this goes back about two years I'm talking 2021 but the briefings have been going on at that point for almost a year longer so there's a lot of information being passed to members of the Senate committees and whatever God knows how much, how many conversations, how many meetings have taken place. We don't know, but again, that they're not they're not publicized. But he started getting grief uh, back at uh, I guess the UAP task force. He got angry about it, and so he went to the IG. I believe he went directly to the IG of the Intelligence. This is this is I've the won.
0: the Inspector General. Which is a legal office right. in, in most US government branches where you report wrongdoing.
2: It's an independent entity that is designed to operate separate from the, uh, the entity, whether it's the DOD or the intelligence community, um, uh, in dealing with matters that might be uh, of concern. So it's it's independent. So he, he went to at least the IG, Inspector General of, the, of Intelligence Community, possibly also the inspector general of the DOD, and he complained. And so he filed a formal complaint. I am being harassed. And at that point, at some point, he might have indicated that he felt the policy of withholding this information from the people was illegal. At that point, of course, he makes himself a whistleblower whether he thinks he is or not. Now where it gets really interesting is the individual who stepped forward to represent him to the intelligence community inspector general was the former inspector general of the intelligence community. I think his name was McCullough. He was working for, I think, uh, the Rose Law Firm, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is This is a non-trivial point. Uh, if, If David Grush is anything but uh, a responsible, well known, embedded member of the uh, military intelligence community, there's no way the former inspector general steps forward to represent him. And his complaint was received and it was considered a legal concern. And we assume. Wait, wait, wait. That the Rose
0: Law Firm, isn't that the same firm that Hillary and Bill work for in Arkansas? I don't know. I How don't many Rose know. Law I, Firms I, I, can there be?
2: I, I, again. I, and I don't
0: Rose know. is a very symbolic you know, Rosicrucian occult information kind of connection.
2: That's not my world, Dick. You know that. No, that's mine. So yes. let me continue. Let me continue. So he, um, he he's, he's gets some relief back at the UAP task force, but it doesn't last. And so now he's getting further angry. He's, In other words, the... People working in your near surround may be informed. Okay, look, uh, don't hassle that person. This is not acceptable, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, fine. So they don't. Does that mean you can't be harassed Not in this world. I mean, there's so many ways that you can threaten people anonymously. You can harangue them and what have you, and they do even know who you are. So apparently, he was continuing to get that, and so eventually, he had enough, and he made the decision. Not, not only because he was being harassed uh, and/or threatened, and but, and but also because he does feel that this policy, the truth embargo, was illegal. Uh, you know, my view is it is not illegal. Though obviously, I want it to end. Uh, he made the decision to go public as a full-blown whistleblower, go to the media, tell his story, and he did with a bang. Uh, July five, debrief article plus, of course, his interview with uh, Ross Coulthard, the excellent journalist on News Nation, which had already done a number of programs in which they were discussing this issue, particularly with Congressman Tim Burchett, And so this dropped like a bomb on June, June the 5th. And so, all right, since then, I can sense there's a whole lot of scrambling going on. In other words, there was a kind of process that was underway that that was moving forward with some control, and it was not too uncomfortable. Everybody's kind of happy with it, and all of a sudden, Grush accelerates the thing. And so what has happened since July the fifth is, as near as I can tell, uh, the house, which is run by the Republicans, uh, and house committees, which are chaired by the Republicans have been watching the Senate dominate this issue Mm. or three dominated. Uh, the major legislation language is pretty much all from senators. Gillibrand Warner, all right? Uh, And they're getting all the attention. They're getting all the action. I mean, there was some tension to uh, Ruben Diego's language. He's a House member. Uh, We did have a briefing. that was conducted by Andre Carson's subcommittee. Not a hearing, but a briefing. But overall, it's the Senate Intel Committee. And so they decided, look, uh, this thing is now out there. The issue of non-human bodies and non-human technology is now out there. And we're not potted plants, and so we're gonna make our move. And the person who decided to do that was James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee. He decided, I'm gonna hold a hearing, and I'm gonna schedule it for July the 26th, which happens to be just two days before the Congress Hmm. uh, goes into uh, recess, meaning that this hearing is gonna happen, and then there's nothing gonna follow it for a whole 30-some days, and and we're gonna get a whole lot of press and a whole lot of attention, smooth move. He assigns the task of putting the hearing together, not surprisingly to Tim Burchette, who has been all over the media for like two months, uh, talking about the fact that ETs are here, technology is here, he's not shy about it at all. He has stepped out way in front of this issue. Uh, others could have done so, but Tim did. Now he is. he was not a well-known congressman, he is very conservative from Tennessee, but nevertheless, He's stepped forward in the issue. He's remained very nonpartisan about it. He's not trying to politicize it. He's gotten more press in the last two months than his entire previous <laughs> political career. Anyway, let's hold you it know-
0: there. And I, I, I need to bring Wilbur back in because he can only stay with us till the top of the hour. Wilbur, mm-hmm. you have been living and documenting the UFO activity over the nation's capital where these congressional folks hang out a lot. Have you ever had face-to-face conversations with congressmen, shown them your data and had any response prior to this new set of developments coming up next week?
1: I reached out to Congress and all of the intelligence oversight committees regarding UFO, 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 UAP activity in our airspace. And I sent them links, I emailed them well with physical samples and I got absolutely no response from Congress in what time frame did, did you do this um, I did this in fact a week ago
0: oh so we're an AD <clears throat> and they're not responding is it possible they're Stephen not it, it's, it's simply because they haven't got a set up yet for public input they're still managing the release in an in, in-house fashion
2: no, that's not what's going on. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, let me, let me mention that uh, Will is one of countless numbers of truth warriors who have been trying to press this issue and move it forward for decades upon decades. Uh, obviously, the government has, has has thwarted all of those efforts. Uh, there have been, I don't know, perhaps as many as 20 or more efforts to get congressional hearings between Now, and back to 1968, they've all been blocked, all failed. There have been people up on the hill repeatedly, nothing happens until recently. But what is going on now is not about getting evidence and proving anything. The government knows about the ET presence, they know who they are, they have their crash vehicles, they've been studying the tech for 70 years. This isn't about proving anything. And so there's not an interest in anybody coming up with proof or tech or something like that. what is going on now is they're going through the protocols and motions of doing the right thing, meaning this is what they should have done at in uh, maybe 53, possibly 65, uh, uh, certainly 1993 to 96. This is what they should have done to end the truth embargo. They didn't do it. And so the truth embargo is very ripe. It's like one of those very ripe pieces of fruit in the kitchen that you literally have to throw out with, <laughs> with gloves because it's so thinking the place up so they're trying to they have to end this truth embargo and this is about ending the truth embargo it's about going through the motions getting witnesses having them testify in front of uh, uh huge numbers of people uh, and viewers so that everybody's participating and then providing information via those witnesses which are absolutely beyond a reasonable doubt confirms et president that allows the president to end the truth embargo and then we go to the post-disclosure world once we're in the post-disclosure world the work of people like Will, and many of the others in the field, I believe, will not be ignored. Uh, I was, I'm sitting out my new office in D.C. right now. I've got, I don't know, four or five hundred books, I've got several hundred tapes, stuff going back 20, 30 years, and I'm looking at it, I'm reminded <laughs> of the vast amount of work that it was done over the last 60, 70 years by thousands of people, serious people, without a lot of money, trying to document, trying to understand, and trying to then relate the the truth about this issue. And one of the things I can say with confidence is that once the confirmation event takes place and we get disclosure from the president, I think most reasonable people will conclude that the vast majority of all of of the information, research, videos, documentaries, everything else that was generated by the general public going back to 1947, the vast majority of it is actually true. And therefore, it needs to be completely reviewed. There are obviously errors, there were obviously mistakes and some foolishness, but overall, they had it right. they would had it right from the beginning. And so that needs to be reviewed, and one of my jobs, post-disclosure, is to make sure that happens.
0: Well, I would think, given technologically where we are with global social media, and everybody having a, a cell phone and everybody <clears throat> having a website and a blog and YouTube channel and whatever practically that there's no way physically that they can censor a huge historical database where the public's going to go even if they're never called formally before any committee hearing etc there's no way that Hans Brinker can stop the flood that's about to occur once the credibility is established with hearings
2: I agree. Uh, wow! Obviously, they were able to <laughs> they were able to hold everything under control or back uh, for many many decades. That's no longer the case. So if and this is what I'll, you know, I've been up on the hill. I've actually visited in the last four days in 94 degree heat, 56 mm-hmm. offices. Uh, every member's office of the the uh, House Oversight Committee and every member's office of the Senate Intel Committee chatting it up with the millennial staff, passing out cards, almost all the staff, they they're solely down with the ET issue. Of, of course. course they are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and um, i I believe that one of the messages I'm going to be giving as I get more access to Congress is, look, guys, you want you want you want to make friends and influence people? You want some votes? you wanna have some good fun and times in this new world is coming, you acknowledge the work of these people. You acknowledge all of the researchers and activists and documentarians and everybody else that put this together and fought against this truth embargo since 47, you, you, you talk about giving them you know, awards and acknowledgement and everything else. You do that and I guarantee you this is gonna be a much easier path for you post disclosure. That seems a good solid
0: political science to me. Hmm. So let me go back to Wilbur. Uh, Wilbur, can you be patient a little longer? Because if Steve is right, (laughs) they're going to be ringing your phone off the hook in the next, uh, I would certainly say year and probably the next six
1: months. Would would you agree with that, Steve? I am am patient. I would would agree with Mr. Bassett um, and what he has said in association to uh, the work of us researchers. And and I do believe at this point, Congress is... um, was at some point ignoring us, but now they can't ignore the fact that the physical data is indeed there.
0: Steve, do we know whether Grush is that the pronunciation of his last name? Yes. Do Grush. we know Grush, or do we know whether he actually has display items, images, no, documents? No,
2: no, no, no. no. What Grush has, and one of the reasons he was attacked by a couple of the last. The bunkers out there that are trying to, you know, be the last ones to make fools of themselves as the uh, truth embargo comes to an end, is that he's yeah, secondhand. It's not firsthand testimony. He, but he's not somebody who's walking up the street. He was. Working so wait, the when, when you
0: say it's secondhand, meaning he didn't physically
2: go up and touch a saucer somewhere at Area 51? No, he's 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 assigned the UAP task force under the law the setup that it was in the Senate bill that Rubio put together in twenty twenty, the COVID bill. And so he's now over there. There wasn't a lot of staff. Everybody talked about that. It was just the early days and they're complaining there's not enough staff. Well he was one of the staff. And because he's on the UAP task force and there was a bill passed by the Senate intel well, a bill passed and signed by the president, guess what? Some people contacted him and said we have information. This now is now the NDAA
0: which possible. said it's no longer illegal to report up the chain of command, your observations, et cetera, et cetera, in the military, yeah, not, uh,
2: contractors, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, it's not, I, I think, it's not clear to me exactly, I don't know when he was contacted by these, these people that are working in the SAFs or USAFs, whether it was before after that second year of legislation, I think, that mm-hmm. started to open things up, but whatever, he was contacted. And they told him, And of course, he, he, I think, clearly knew who they were and he he knew that they were legitimate. And so as far as he was concerned, unless he was being punked, unless he's being set up, that uh, he, this is profound information. He's been told that we've had multiple saucers. Well, hell, I know some researchers could have told him that 25 years ago, but that's okay. And so he then passes that information on and then things start getting interesting. So now, my understanding is that, The Senate Intel Committee has interviewed those individuals who spoke to him. Oh, the primary sources.
0: The primary sources.
2: And these are the kinds of witnesses. In other words, let me put it this way. The hearing on Wednesday, and I intend to be there come hell or high water, (laughs) um, is the opening act. And, you know, opening acts can be very good. Yeah. To the big act. And the big act will probably be early September when Congress returns and it will be the Senate Intel Committee, this hearing on Wednesday is going to generate a great deal of media. I'm going to spend a whole rest of the week doing interviews and loading the, the links up on my my print media archive site, which is just growing. I mean, it's just expanding uh, and it's going to generate a lot of press over the next 30 days. The Intel Committee hearing. If they bring in the witnesses, probably for a period of about two weeks, maybe two in the morning, two in the afternoon, and uh, over two weeks, that may be, you could get possibly as many as uh, 20 witnesses. Those hearings will last no more than eight days, eight, nine, ten days, because the testimony that is going to be given to the House Intel Committee is going to set the world on fire. <laughs> and that is going to be the it, meaning that the president, will be easily able to come forward and say look remember
0: Biden has an ET artifact in the Oval Office from NASA
2: there you go yes the president will be able to confirm the ET presence and we get disclosure hopefully in September before this election gets further underway that is my prediction for now we'll see
0: well this is really interesting and I want to give Wilbur time here in the last five minutes or so of this this segment Um, you got anything you want to add or wrap up or insert or anticipate
1: I would ask uh, the listening audience to go to my websites uh, ufodc.com and Dr. Wilbur Allen YouTube and look at the physical evidence that I was able to document with my telescopes in various locations of the United States.
0: Well, I've seen some of them and they really are. See, what's so interesting is you report completely and independently from one of our guys in Arizona who has a private radio telescope and we used his name is Jimmy Blanchett we used it to transmit uh, what we called our Mua series of messages uh, last yes. winter and Blanchett had a bore sighted set of cameras night vision low light level cameras and then right after he sent the transmission objects structured craft appeared out of nowhere out of some other dimension and sat in the field of view of the cameras and then replaced by other craft, et cetera, et cetera, like a faster than light speed acknowledgement that whoever's out there heard what we were saying and was acknowledging with their visible presence. And this this was visible light imaging, not infrared.
1: They are indeed using uh, spatial, um, um, uh, how can I describe it? If there's nothing like that that humans have, but they are able to enter into our airspace as if they're entering through a spatial portal. Hmm. Okay. All right. We got a couple of minutes. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, they can actually, uh, I, again, I will mention go to my website, ufodc.com, click on the images, and the images will take you to the specific chapters or they can go to my YouTube channel, Dr. Wilbur Allen, and look at the physical evidence that I documented in high definition infrared.
0: Well, I wanna thank you for coming on. I know that you've been facing some uh, personal challenges and I'm frankly delighted to, to see you on video before we did the show and you look pretty damn good. And I'm going to be on the phone separately with you with some background modalities, which might absolutely impact In a very positive way your situation problem and all I will all I will say is um, they are HD they are not normal uh, what you would consider to be uh, medical input so we will we will leave it there my guest this morning my first guest was uh, Dr. Wilbur Allen Steve Bassett is staying with us I've got a million questions Stephen now that we're into the end game and I can't wait till uh, we've got a clear runway to basically ask you a few interesting things. My guest this morning for the remaining uh, hour is going to be um, Steve Bassett. We will then be joined in the third hour of The Other Side of Midnight for this July 23rd, Sunday, 2023, as history creakingly, agonizingly opens a door. You're on The Other Side of Midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward, and boy have we got some! amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks so please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned i want to thank all our club 19.5 members because without your guys support this show would not be on the air please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to club 19.5 today and when i say we really need you we really need you over and out